0: Good morning, Redemption family. Today's scripture is Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns, and on his heads, seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: Thank you, Jill. Let me ask us a question to consider as we start our time together in Revelation chapter 12. Do you believe in Satan? Welcome to church. But it's an honest and an important question. Do you functionally actually believe in Satan? An article that I had earlier this week that was shared with me from a group called Boharna. They do something, they do different surveys called Barna Research Group. And in this survey, they discovered that over half of American Christians don't believe in Satan or the Holy Spirit. And that's important. Those are important things, important conversations, important realities for us to understand. So our time together this morning In Revelation chapter twelve, our time has been throughout this whole book. the The important point has been to pull back the curtain of reality. Is God showing us what is actually true? Now, there are many, many places around the world that wouldn't even question that there is a Satan or there are spiritual forces that we are working against, that we are, have, have physical uh, and spiritual enemies that we battle with. I would submit to us, though, if we're honest, that in our cultural context, it's a lot harder for us to acknowledge or believe in or recognize the unseen. Okay, again, in other parts of the world, the, the, the problem is more, um, what do I do to battle these unseen spiritual Forces and who actually has power and authority. And again, in our culture, I think we, uh, C.S. Lewis, author and theologian C.S. Lewis said, uh, the enemy or Satan, his goal is not necessarily to scare you, but to impede you, to trip you up. And in our cultural context, the enemy that we don't see The enemy that we don't recognize is more likely to trip us up, to impede us. And so what I want us to do this morning again is to sit under, even if it's uncomfortable for us, I think we should be honest with our discomfort and our kind of scientific revolution, kind of like the philosopher René Descartes, uh, right? I think, therefore I am. I, I see like what I acknowledge, what I can experience. That's all that is true. Well, I think we need to just kind of submit that together before God's word. And for him to speak into what is actually true, what is real. Because we are in a real battle. We are in a battle if we follow Jesus that is things that are seen and things that are unseen. And this is how we're going to walk through it together. It's the cosmic battle, that word cosmic, think unseen. Okay, think the spiritual realm, the cosmic battle. And we're going to walk through it. We see, first of all, we are in a battle, but Jesus is victorious. Satan has been defeated. And yet the church is in an ongoing battle. And so with that, acknowledging those things, I want us to pray together and ask for God's help. So because I didn't introduce myself, I want to do that. Quickly, and I also see we have some friends here who are prepared to hand out Bibles. So go ahead and turn with me in Revelation chapter 12. I would ask you and encourage you to have a Bible with you either on an app or, or a physical copy. So if you don't have one, will you hold your hand up and keep it up and somebody will get you a Bible. Okay, if you don't own one, this is our gift to you, Yeah, so just hold your hand up, keep it up. And also we have some in Spanish as well. So if you would prefer one in Espanol, um, just say Spanish and we'll give you a copy in Spanish. So also I want to let you know I have a stutter and so that'll come in and out. It is, a, I am cold like maybe some of us are, but uh, it's that, that that isn't it. It's uh, It'll come in and out. But I want us to be able to focus on the most important things together uh, as we look at the reality of the cosmic battle that we're in, Jesus's victory, Satan's defeat, and the church's ongoing battle. So let's pray together and ask for God to speak to us and for us to hear what he has to say. Lord, we come together before you right now. And I ask that you will give us eyes to see things as they actually are. We are so prone to only interacting with the world as we see it. And for some of us, that means we are cowering in fear and in defeat when you call us to live out of or press into victory. And then for others of us, we are walking impotently Because we don't recognize the battle that we're in. And we look for life where life is not found. And we think we are victorious when we're actually living defeated. And you and you alone are the way, the truth, and the life. And so we ask Jesus that you who embody truth will reveal truth to us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Kicking off together in Revelation chapter 12, read with me. And a great sign appeared in heaven. Sign is like a symbol, okay, or, or a, a m- message, okay? We've seen a number of signs and this is one of them. And again, think when you think sign, think God revealing what is true. All right, think like God showing you a commercial or a video or something to to help make sense of what is actually true. Okay, so God is revealing the truth through this sign. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. Okay, if you got to see the incredible eclipse just a couple of days ago, okay, this kind of imagery And with the moon under her feet and on her head, a crown of 12 stars, she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. Okay. So there's this sign and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold a great red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and on his head, seven diadems. And I'm just going to continue to read these verses His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it, eat it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Okay, uh, let me describe what we just Read there, right? If you read it might say the woman and the dragon in the in the in the Bibles that we handed out or in this that I'm that I have here, that's what it says. I, I think another title, okay, what we're seeing here is um a heavenly Christmas. All right, what I just read, though, if I just told you a heavenly Christmas, you'd probably picture like perfume, right or like some kind of tasty drink. it's Starbucks with. Caramel and cinnamon, right? Heavenly Christmas. But no, what this is doing, what God is doing, is revealing what's actually happening when Jesus is born. What's happening in the unseen world. He's pulling back the curtain and saying, let me show you what's actually happening. And as we'll see as we go on, it's not just Christmas, but it is Christmas. It's, it's, it's all of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. It's the battle that all the way back in Genesis chapter three, all right, Adam and Eve and the serpent. If you're familiar with that whole story, when God says, this is what's going to happen. There's a battle going on. And again, many people were either terrified because they believed in the unseen world, they believed in these spirits, and they were they were terrified. Or other people, probably more like our congregation here in our cultural context, were just blind to it, didn't even acknowledge it. And God says, "Wherever you are on that spectrum, I want to reveal to you what's actually happening. There is a battle going on. It's real, and Jesus is victorious." Okay, let me share a quote with us. It's a fairly long quote, so uh, I'll I'll have it up here on the screen, but I want us to see author and um, pastor. He's recently passed away, but his name's Eugene Peterson, wrote this. It is John, so John is the author of this book. It is John's spirit-appointed task to supplement the work of Matthew and Luke. So Matthew and Luke are, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're... two of the authors of what are referred to as the good gospel accounts in the new Testament. And they both capture the story of Jesus's birth. All right. If you've seen like Charlie Brown, right. And Lo Lo low, the one that like carries the blanket. And he's also like a prophet and preacher. And that whole story, he re- reads from Luke or he recites these things. And so, so he's saying here, it is John's spirit appointed task to supplement the work of Matthew and Luke. So that the ne- That's a, a high church word for like Christmas. Okay. So that the nativity cannot be sentimentalized into coziness, nor domesticated into drabness, nor commercialized into worldliness. He makes explicit what is implicit in the gospel stories. It is John's genius to take Jesus in a manger attended by shepherds and wise men and put him in the cosmos attacked by a dragon. The consequence to our faith is that we are fortified against intimidation so again just pause with me there for a moment all right i i believe because many of us here have sung christmas carols we've gone to like christmas eve services we joked a couple weeks ago that that christmas eve this year we're gonna have dragons and swords and fire and stuff so it'll be cool it'll be different all right this year no we're not actually gonna gonna do that but but I know for me all the Christmases growing up and the Christmas services and the candle lighting and all those things, those are good and important, but but we can fail to recognize what's actually happening in the unseen world when we when we just look at the earthly reality of Jesus born in a manger and wise men and shepherds and Joseph and Mary and donkeys and l- like little drummer boys and reindeer. I'm just kidding. Those last two are not in the Bible, right? But that's what we just get caught up in. And, and this is important for us to understand. Because here, why? Because it's not enough to just, like those things don't really impact us. They don't empower us. When we're in the day-to-day battle that we're in, we'll get to the battle the daily battle we're in. Okay. He goes on and says, our response to our response to the nativity cannot be reduced to shutting the door against a wintry world, drinking hot chocolate and singing carols. Rather, we are ready to walk out the door with, as one Psalmist put it, high praises of God in our throats and a, and two edged swords in our hand, the Bible, God's word, Sharper than a two-edged sword. Again, Christmas carols and candles and sentiments and shopping for gifts and things doesn't really do much for us when we're either terrified or complacent. But when we're shaken to our core by the reality of what has happened, by Jesus's victory over Satan, over an actual rebellious angel of light, Lucifer, who rebelled and turned against him and waged war and is waging war. And Jesus' victory over that, when we see this account of this dragon being defeated, it emboldens God's church. It emboldens Jesus' people to live in the midst of the battle. But the first thing that we need to focus on here is Jesus' victory. He is victorious. And so we continue on though. Now, as we look at the reality of Satan's defeat, pick up with me in verse seven. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Okay, so a couple things right here out of the gates before I focus on the main thing, right? The most important important thing. First of all is so often we get caught up in when is this right? When is this happening? And there has been so much written about, Oh, does this happen? Like when does I'm going to just tell you, uh, I believe, and I'm teaching out of the assumption that when this event is happening is God is giving us a window into something that has happened, will happen and is currently happening that his defeat over Satan is what we're supposed to focus on. This event here of of the, the enemy, the serpent, I love that there's this kind of these multiple names, right? The great dragon, the ancient serpent, the devil, Satan, his angels, which are demons, fallen angels, that God's defeat of his enemies has happened, will happen, and is happening. It is decisive. It is authoritative. The 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 point in the focus is not giving a chronological order of when all these things happen or even exactly how, but that. Okay, if you want to, if you're taking notes and you want to press in more a couple of places where this ha- and even why I believe this, where um Second Peter chapter 2 verse 4 talks about this. Jude verse 6 also talks about this. Uh, in the old Testament Isaiah chapter 14 I believe is also talking about this event okay and so that again is even why I would say these 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 different chapters and verses and things that are re- written are p- pointing to the the are all the way back when Satan rebelled against God which I, it was even like pre-history if you will okay pre um pre- Adam and Eve would say, and these accounts are, are speaking into when that happened, when, when again, Lucifer rebelled and, and a third of the angels went with him and were cast down. So it's then, it's also talking about Jesus's birth, okay? And it's also talking about the, the end, the very end, when Jesus comes and victoriously ushers in his kingdom. So the point, though, is a swift and decisive authoritative victory by Jesus over his enemies. Okay, now now let's press in now to the main point, okay? It's not about timing and all this stuff. And what does that mean? The main point is what? A a word, as you press in, and just a good way to read through the Bible is just what words pop out multiple times. Well, in these three verses, the word thrown or the phrase thrown down is in there three times, okay, in just a couple of verses. And as I pressed in and read, that word is actually translated, boom, bounced, Hey, if you ever grew up watching like Looney Tunes cartoons or like Tom and Jerry or, you know, anything like that. And sometimes when something's stronger than something else, what came to mind for me was like Tom and Jerry. If you remember, they always had like there was a big dog, like a bulldog that would come and protect the little mouse. Because I'm kind of built like a little mouse, I like th- that scene and um, right and like Tom's going to beat up or eat the mouse or whatever, and this whole thing or and and, and there's this picture and only cartoons, and again, that's even the way re- 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 revelation is hidden r- is almost like a cartoon would do. It's like, let me show you some things, some imagery, some colors, some numbers, some pictures that will help enliven your imagination to see things as they actually are. So again, picture right now a cartoon with me. And this language throne is like, boom, founced. Like a little cartoon, the big, stronger bulldog gets Tom, the cat, and kind of crumples him up and then founces him. You can probably hear the sound effects, right? Boing, 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 All right? And it's like bouncing him. And then, or what comes to mind too for me, as I've read, and I want to just bring us into our imaginations here, what God wants us to show is how decisive and swift his victory over Satan, the accuser, the enemy of our souls is like, have you ever seen like a dirty laundry hamper? that has like a basketball hoop and, or, or like a tr- trash can and a little basketball hoop and you can just kind of throw it and it's like, oh, here, pass to me, or I like hook shot. And you're like, that's God's victory over Satan, over the enemy. That in, in many of our cases, we don't acknowledge. Again, C.S. Lewis says, our temptation is either to overly obsess or to altogether overlook. Again, I think we primarily overlook. Lest we uh, think too highly of ourselves, it's uh, Satan, demons, okay, are real and are absolutely terrifying. They are more powerful than any one of us in and of ourselves in this room. Okay, and I don't want to freak anyone out here, but I will just tell you, authoritatively, I have personally interacted with demonic, oppressive forces in different, my wife and I uh, traveling the world in different times. And it's terrifying. It is scary. uh, Someone who is, who is, who is controlled by, by, uh, by demons again, in other cultural contexts, that's not the issue. People, followers of Jesus or not acknowledge these things. And Often in those cultural contexts, it's very real and it is absolutely terrifying. So lest we get this arrogance and confidence, oh, Tom and Jerry bouncing a little thing, it's silly. It's not because we're strong or we're smart or anything like that. Okay, it's because of how great our God is. De- demons, Satan, this great dragon. We, we, If we think, oh, it's silly, it's little like a cartoon character, little horns and a dragon and a pitchfork. I I pray that God would reveal to us just how real our enemy is. Okay, and and yet he is absolutely weak, not because we are strong, but because we serve a strong, victorious, all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-good God. Okay, church, let, let us be empowered to recognize Jesus is victorious. He wins. That's the end of the story. That's the most important part is that Satan has been bounced, has been thrown down, has been utterly defeated by God, tossed out like dirty laundry. And let me just see again, how does this apply to our lives, right? What does it look like for us? Let me read in verse 11, which I have up here on the screen. And I warned you to get a Bible because, sorry, I'm not going to have verse 12, but I'm going to continue to read verse 11 and 12. I don't think it's up here, is it? No. Nope. Okay. Sorry. That's on me, but it's also on you because you, you didn't get a Bible. <laughs> no. Nope. Okay. I'm just kidding. Okay. Verse 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they loved not their lives, even un to death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. So uh woe to you, all right. You there is the devil has come down. He has great wrath. He is powerful. His tail, the imagery is used, right? Sweeps the stars down. Like he is powerful. No one in this room, I am confident, can affect stars. All right. Can like wipe them down. Like the imagery is again, there's this powerful war going on. But again, the message here is the God who you serve, the child who was born, the one who is to rule the nations with an iron rod, the one who currently sits on the throne and says, I am making all things new. Jesus The one who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, okay, who was born of a virgin miraculously, who lived on this earth, who died on a real cross, who then rose again, okay, defying the laws of nature, and then ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and currently, right now, sits on a throne. And said, I will return. All that, when the blood of the lamb is talking about all that, that is that whole event. The the person and work and rule and authority of Jesus. Through all of that, Satan has been defeated. And yet, okay, now hear me, church. You and I also, though, get to play into this. Because it also says there, right, and by the word of their testimony. Somehow, you and I get to participate in the ongoing defeat of Satan by our Holy Spirit empowered faithful witness, by our, our, our lives of obedience and dependence and witness and proclamation of the good news of Jesus. That the work of Jesus, okay, all that I just talked about, all that he's done, and somehow by our continued walking with him, by the perseverance of his saints, by the faithfulness of his church, he is continually defeating the enemy. That is empowering for you and me. What hey, what does that look like? It means his his defeat, his victory has already been secured. So when you and I fail, when we stumble, when we when we don't get it right, his victory is not in jeopardy at all. And yet, somehow, our faithful obedience and worship and putting one foot in front of the other, slugging along in this life that we're in, pressing on, following Jesus. When you and I are tempted and and we cry out like Jesus did, if there's any other way, let it happen. But not my will, but your will. When, When you and I are accused and we're, seemingly paralyzed by anxiety and fear and we cry out to our God, I need you help me meet my needs help me honor you help me obey you help me live into the victory. I feel like I'm being defeated when we share or confess whether Boldly and eloquently, or just, with, or just as a tiny sliver. A, a high school student maybe praying over a m- meal in the cafeteria. Right? Those, those little moments of struggling and faithfully bearing witness. Jesus exercises his victory and his decisive defeat of Satan through his people. And then the last point for us, though, to press into, right? Jesus has been victorious. He is victorious. He will be victorious. Satan has been defeated. He is being defeated. He will ultimately be finally defeated. And yet church, we are in an ongoing battle right now. Okay. Look, uh, I'm going to just read two verses. Look in verse 13, and then I'll skip down to verse 17. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Then, and down in verse 17, then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. And there's it. So we'll pick up next week there with more of the earthly battle. Okay. We're in the unseen battle, the cosmic battle this week, next week we'll see the scene battle, the earthly battle. And it's kind of like we're ending there on a little, uh, it feels like, again, we're in the story. And um, if you can go ahead and put this, put this, uh, this, 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 diagram up there. There's a slide that shows where we are in the story. All right. Everything I've talked. So right there, Revelation chapter four and five, but kind of the first part talks about like all that I talked about, right? It's sometimes referred to as the Christ of Again, the, the, the conception, birth, life, death, room, room, resurrection, ascension. That's what that arrow pointing up is. And the promised return of Jesus. That's who Jesus is and what he's doing and where he is right now, okay? And then skip ahead, right? You have the end of history. There will be final judgment on all evil and all idolatry on an individual level, on a systemic level, on a cosmic level, on every level, right? Jesus is victorious in final judgment and authority. Okay, a coming, the final coming of the restored creation, the perfect and good kingdom of Jesus, where he rules and everything is as it should be. And yet in between, we have what's sometimes referred to as the now and not yet. The victory of the kingdom implemented through the spirit in the church's witness, right? That's what I just read, verses 11 and 12. So right now church we're in the end times. Okay, the end times were, uh, were, were, were were somewhere between there. We're like 34 AD and 1215 AD and I'll just I'm just throwing out dates now. I don't know all the right different whatever happened in world history, okay? They are the end times and then what happened in uh, in during World War 1. Right? When surely people are like, this is it, right? This is the end times. Yes. We don't, maybe not the final time yet. This is World War II, right? 2020. Or I got some texts even this week. Oh, what's going on in the world? Here it is, end times. Yeah, it is end times. I pray Jesus returns soon, but really, we've been in these end times right now. And in, in the midst of it, church, we are in a battle. And God's message is Jesus is victorious. Satan has been defeated. Remain faithful. Live into his victory. Okay, a couple things with those verses, if you can even bring them back up, just that were there that I want to just point out just to make sense in case we're we're wondering. The the woman that's referred to multiple times, again, I I believe, because someone's like, who is this woman? I believe the woman is referring to Mary, the mother of Jesus and to Israel and to the church and different parts of these passages that we've read. For example, when it says, um, that the, he pursued the woman, um, it says in say in verse 14, right? That, that, that the woman was given the two wings of the great Eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the Wilderness, that's Exodus language. That's when Israel, right, was freed from Egypt, from, from Pharaoh, and then went into, uh, period, they were in the wilderness. That's that kind of language. And so, so, so that's where I want us though to close, is this language of wilderness. Wilderness, most of us live our lives, okay, hear me right now, avoiding the wilderness at all costs the wilderness is where you're dependent the wilderness is not so comfortable can you i'm sorry i'm keeping you on your toes can you bring that image back up the one with the the now and not yet as i said the wilderness on that long horizontal arrow is a series of wilderness of places of living into the reality of what jesus has done but anticipating what he will do. It's, it's, it's again, it's it's um it's Adam and Eve being told, you're gonna suffer. You're you're full of shame because of your nakedness. You've lived outside of my covering. But then God's saying, Here, I've given you clothing, I've put l- limits on your suffering. Room. Genesis 3.15, what's called the first gospel, the proto-euangelion. I'm going to give you a little seed of hope that one day the seed of this woman, the, the heir of this woman will come and will crush the serpent. Okay, little seeds there. Again, I, um, I, Israel suffering under Egypt. And then God saying, I'm going to set you free and I'm taking you into the wilderness. And while they're wandering, they're scorched by heat during the day. And the Shekinah glory, God's covering like a cloud that protects them. And then at night when they're shivering, we in Tucson know this, how you can be freezing cold at night and then burning hot during the day. And we get to understand the wilderness a little bit better. And God says, I'm going to protect you. You're going to be starving, but I will provide for you. Not with like microwavable TV dinners, but in a way that you have to depend on me every day. I will provide for you. I will give you water that comes from a rock. I will give you food, manna from heaven that you can only eat what I've provided for you today. Jesus, after he is baptized and and, and the voice of God says, he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he's led into the wilderness where he's tempted, where he's in a battle. And yet God ministers to him and provides for him. Church, you and I are in a battle. And God leads us into the wilderness, sometimes physically, sometimes financially, sometimes relationally, emotionally. But those places of wilderness are places of dependence on him. Where our only option is to live into Jesus's victory. To recognize that Satan has been defeated not arrogantly, not because we're so great, but because we serve and depend on one who has ultimately been victorious, Who, because greater is he who is in us, the Holy Spirit, than he who is in the world, Satan and his demons. So church, as we close, let us recognize the good news of Jesus's victory, the, swift, the swiftness and completion of Satan's defeat, And then the reality of our need to continue pressing into the good news of Jesus through our witness, through our prayer, through our community, until that beautiful day we anticipate when Jesus returns once and for all to finally make all things new. Let's pray. Again, Jesus, I pray that you are revealing to us what is actually true. Lord, if there are some in here, I know this was a big part of my story a lot as a kid who are more terrified, who don't necessarily disbelieve in Satan and demons, but are are just captured by fear, by fear of the unseen, by fear of the unknown, by fear of is the next paycheck going to come or not? Is my kid going to, do what will ultimately harm them. Are they gonna? You know what? What all so much of what I can't control. Lord, for others of us who are, who are so arrogant to think that we actually have control. And if we just work hard enough, and we just do enough, and make enough savvy choices, then we'll just be fine. And we're actually living into the lie. We're lulled to sleep. We're lulled to defeat. Lord, wherever we're coming from individually and corporately, will you reveal your truth? The truth of Jesus's victory. The truth of the good news that you lead us into wilderness. Where we are dependent and yet victorious and powerful